Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Worthless Knowledge Podcast. My name is Johnny Goodtimes. And I am Nat the Truth Jones. And so good to be back with you. I know that you folks have missing the heck out of us. A lot of people would say, well, how many comments have you gotten to that effect? To which I would truthfully answer zero. But I know sometimes I feel like I've kind of got a good read on people. I'm kind of a master of nonverbal cues. Uh, so yeah, so I feel like I've been picking up on some nonverbal cues and a lot of you guys have been giving off kind of some vibes that you've really been missing us. Right. So we're here to scratch that itch. That's right. We've got uh, we've got a fun one to talk about. The Olympics are coming up and we had an Olympic question. And uh, so I want to dig into that. Uh, before we do, I also just want to state for the record, because, you know, this is also kind of Nat and my opportunity to socialize uh, and you guys get the, the special treat of listening in yeah. and just letting that know that uh, my wife and kid are at the beach today. And while they're gone, I've done three loads of laundry. Nice. Yeah. Good so, for you. See? See, that's why, folks, that's why when you're getting this little insider, you're getting kind of a little inside view of Nat and my relationship because uh, my wife will not have that same reaction. This is where I go for that positive reinforcement when I do something good. Because hey, my wife's going to be more like about time. I heard you had a bad experience the other day. I heard you got like some sunscreen in your eyes or something. Yeah, it's happened twice now. <laughs> really? Yeah. How, how'd that experience go? becoming you, a recurring a recurring issue. Do you get a lot of sympathy around the house for that? No, my my wife it's my wife has this thing and she's, you know, she's she's great and I love her and we God bless her. God bless her. We we just had a great vacation together in the Finger Lakes. Just you and your wife? Uh well, no. It was going to be just me and my wife, but then uh, That sounds great. Yeah. No, but then uh then kind of last minute my mother-in-law and her husband ended up uh, joining us for the trip. Ooh. So, uh. Well, that sounds good. So, cool. anyway. Um, Is that your mother in law? No, uh, that's actually Carl. Huh. Uh, good, good timing. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, she, I got, uh, I got this. Uh, I don't know what happens, but sometimes when I get like something like that happens, she more mocks me for being so weak and feeble than she does provide a more caring, nurturing role. It's a concerning feature of, uh, you know, she's, she's normally, you know, she's obviously if my son, for example, got, got it in his eyes, then it would, we would have to, you know, take him to chop. Yeah. Everything uh, would stop. Everything yeah, would, right, would right. screech we would be to in the all. emergency room. There would be there would be experimental uh, medical procedures being done to try to remove uh, try to move it from his eyes. Uh, but when I get it, it's just a very different reaction. So anyway, so then it happened again the other day, and uh, you know, and so now it's now it's a recurring thing. The second time it happened, I'll bet she was super sympathetic. Oh, man. The second time, she's just like, you got to be kidding. I mean, because, you know, in fairness, it is pretty dumb if you do it twice. (laughs) You would think after the first time you get suntan lotion in your eyes, you would stop applying it to your forehead. Right. You'd stop applying it directly into your eyeballs. (laughs) Well, you'd be wrong. So what's our topic today? What are we going to talk? We're going to talk Olympics. You looking forward to the Olympics? 
Uh, sort of. Yeah, uh, that's how I feel. Sort of. Yeah, I mean, you know, once they're on, I typically, I typically get into it. Uh, you know, I like some of the quirkier sports. Uh, I'm a big team handball fan. Handball's great, man. It's like soccer if it was exciting, basically. Right. You really got to search to get to watch it. Uh, they don't they don't feature it like they do with like gymnastics. I tell you what, I am really excited about. What's that? Three on three basketball in the Olympics. yeah. Me too. Do you what are, do you think there's a chance we could qualify for that if we had a strong third? I mean, it would have to be yeah. I mean, if like LeBron was, I was going to say, yeah. could you, me, and LeBron qualify for three on three Olympics? Maybe. So here's the thing, and and this is going to make me sound uh, delusional, but I nah. do think. I do think that in you and my heyday, which is about 20 years ago now, I think that if we teamed up with LeBron, we could conceivably like make a run at like the U.S. Olympic trials. I do too. No, I don't think that's delusional. We're seeing LeBron in his prime too. Absolutely. Right now, I don't think LeBron could carry a young you and I. You know, he's just a little too old. So the question is, Eddie Egan and Gillis Grafstrom, Hmm. are the only athletes to ever accomplish what i have no idea i don't know who either of those gentlemen are well one of them is the one that you were supposed to be studying for today's podcast i was yeah but don't worry i'll um i'll, I'll carry us just like lebron look lebron's gonna just... carry you in the three on three tournament i'm gonna carry you in today's podcast Okay. So the answer to the question is they are the only people to have won gold in both the summer and winter olympics Okay, that's kind of cool. I didn't know that. Uh, we, we're not going to we're not going to deep dive with old Gillis Grafstrom uh, because there's a bit of a uh, you know there's a bit of an asterisk beside his name because the only reason he did that was because for one year and what just really I, I truly don't understand uh, ice skating was in the Summer Olympics. That doesn't make any sense at all. No. They just said in, in that one year, they were just like, Let, let's try this out. Like the one, yeah, the one year they they did it as summer and they're like, well, this is on ice. Maybe we should move it to winter. By George, I think you've got something there. Would you want the Olympics to come to Philadelphia? I mean, if they were if they were free, yeah. You know, I wouldn't want the city to like build a bunch of new arenas and then everybody be broke while these arenas break down. But that, but that would be what happened. Right. So, so an answer to your question, no. Okay. Yeah. Cause like, I wouldn't want him to come to Boston or anything like that. So anyway, but Eddie Egan is who we're going to talk about a bit today right. uh, because yeah, he got started in boxing and he fought in the 1920 Olympics and he won gold in the light heavyweight division. All right. So pretty That's impressive. So we'll go back a little bit. Eddie Egan was born in Denver on April 12th, 1898. Uh, his father, John, was killed in a railroad accident in 1899. That's the kind of thing that used to happen probably a lot back then. So he served with honor in World War I, put himself through Yale and then Harvard Law, became a Rhodes Scholar, and married into the ludicrously wealthy Colgate family. Quite a resume for a one-year-old orphan. Yeah, well, he wasn't an orphan. His mom raised him and his four brothers and sisters. Okay. Because that's the way she like taught German uh in the u.s but but yeah i mean i feel like that's a pretty good gig if you can marry into the colgate family he'd already done more before that than either of us has done in our entire lives like before he became ridiculous oh no i'm not saying like he didn't like you know like he didn't deserve to marry into a ludicrously wealthy family and you know you and i are just lucky that anybody would take us at all 
Right. I, I'm not arguing that point. No, nor should you. Yeah, but I'm saying like that's a pretty good gig if you get into that Colgate family. Do you ever just find yourself wishing that your wife was ludicrously wealthy? Uh, I'm just going to tell you right now, I, I wish it. Yeah. Not I'm, about your wife. Right. If your wife was, I would be insanely jealous. Yeah. And might even try to woo her away. Right, right. You see, so there's the problem right there is that if she was ludicrously wealthy, then, you know, there, there, there'd be creeps like you just coming out. I'd be one of just many suitors. Yeah, right. So he, uh, he's at the Summer Olympics in Antwerp and uh, defeats fighters from South Africa, Great Britain and Norway en route to the gold medal. So he wins the gold medal. He's super wealthy. You know, he goes through this decade where he's just kind of trying to find himself. You know, Aimless. he's like going on. Yeah. Uh, here's a great line from his wife uh, many years later. He and a friend took a trip around the world. And in every country, Eddie challenged the amateur boxing champion. That's just a throwaway quote. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I feel like, like, if you and I went around the world, like we were like, you know what? We're buds. We're going to do this big around the world trip together. But there's one catch. <laughs> so around the trip around the world. The that trip. sounds great. That sounds great. I'm paying for the whole trip. I married a ludicrously wealthy woman. And uh, she is going to cover everything. But there's one hitch. You have to challenge the amateur boxing champion of every country we visit. <laughs> give me a ballpark of how many countries we're talking about i you know if we're working our way across the world 10 20. There, like, there's like 200 countries right yeah so but they're not hitting every country oh no god no no there's like countries you know that have been like taken over by um you know warlords armed, yeah armed warlords i mean those are those are the types that we want to visit not these not these like boring and stable ones right yeah 20, no, i'd say 20 like, countries I'd say, I'd say like 30, 30, 30, 30 okay. 35. So 30 yeah. amateur boxing champions I would have to challenge. I'm right. going to assume of those 30, maybe 20 take me up on it. Maybe the other 10 are like out of town or busy or whatever. So let's, let's say in the trip, I end up having to I box mean, probably, like 20. There's probably two or three. There's probably two or three who just think that you're a complete nutcase and don't want anything to do with you. And there's probably two or three that would just be terrified. Just be like, man, this guy must really be good. I mean, obviously I would I would be soundly defeated by these men. But probably by the second half of the trip, you'd probably start noticing stuff like slurred speech and uh, you know, I'd be I would be staggering around a lot. You'd probably have to like be supporting me physically like as I like walked off, you know, got off planes and stuff like I wouldn't be much of a prize fighter anyway, but certainly by the end, because I mean, you know, boxers, when they box, usually they don't they don't go again like for like year, three to right? six months, sometimes a year. I'm assuming I'm climbing back into the ring in like a day or two. A couple of days later. Yeah. 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 We're, I mean, we're after right, fresh off what I can only imagine would have been just a brutal knockout. I mean, one day you're getting just pummeled mercilessly by the by the amateur champion of latvia and the next day uh there's this amateur champion from belarus just staring you uh staring you in the eyes from across the ring ready and i'm to just sitting here knowing knowing in the back of my head that in two days the amateur champion of estonia is going to be right there waiting to give me what for and i and i'm gonna and i'm gonna step in the ring 
even if they have to wheel me to the ring. I mean, it's daunting. It's daunting, but it's still a I mean, fun it trip. Would, it would really cast a black cloud over the trip. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, on the on the plus side, look at the sights I'm getting to see. On the on the negative side, both my eyes are swollen shut. So drums just, uh, you know, explain it like, you know, describing th- them to me. Oh, you got us. <laughs> Man, the Eiffel Tower is magnificent. My gosh. I wish you could see this, but you say magnifique. Your eyes are so swollen shut that I I know you can't. Listen, um, the amateur champion of France is waiting for you um, (laughs) just a couple blocks away. You ready, champ? You You ready, champ? And I use the word champ loosely because your current record is 0 and 18. I know you can't you can't see a thing, but it deals the deal. <laughs> right. We agreed to this. My ludic- my ludicrously wealthy wife insisted that these were the conditions we could take this trip under. And you said okay. So, you know, it's 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 you know, it's all you know, it's a the best of times, worst of times for you, because on the one hand, you're getting to stand here close to the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> right, and have it described to you by a close friend. <laughs> but at the same time, you're getting ready to get beaten mercilessly. By an <laughs> Again. <empty laughs> yeah, so, so it's tough. That's a tough call. It's a tough call. Like some of these later fights would be like, you know, if there's someone's announcing, it's like, you know, they square, like it would just be like, an absolute pummeling right after the bell. My legs immediately go. I'm leaning up against the ropes, just taking an ungodly amount of punishment. Just wanting it to be a, but the, uh, the plus side, um, you know, I'm getting free continental breakfast every morning. Um, so, so that's what uh, Eddie Egan did. Uh, uh, do we know his Eddie- record in those fights? No, I don't have, I don't have a record of that. I mean, he was a pretty good fighter. Yeah, no, he's doing much better against those amateurs than you you are. So in 1932, he's out to dinner uh, with his buddy, Jay O'Brien, uh, who happened to be the head of the Olympic bobsled committee. And in need of a strong body, when one of his teammates dropped from the competition, Egan finally found an outlet, surprising his wife with a strange announcement. This is according to his wife. Eddie came back from dinner with Jay and said, guess what? I'm on the Olympic bobsled team. I want to ask... Because this is obviously something that she was not anticipating at all. Like, he had never bobsledded before. Right. Like, never once. If you came home from a day at work one day, sat down at the table for family dinner, said, honey, I've got, uh, I got some news. I'm on the United States Olympic bobsled team. What do you think her reaction would be? Well, under the scenario that you just laid out, the first thing she'd say is like, you have a job? You can't, you just got home from work? <laughs> from a like, dinner. Okay, let's say from a dinner with your buddy. It's like, like, how long have you been working there? Right. So, so yeah, no, you were at dinner with your buddy, Jay O'Brien. Uh-huh. And then I just come back and I'm like, I'm on the bobsled team. Mm-hmm. Is Jay there too? No, no, you guys okay. went out to dinner. Okay. You guys went out to dinner. You came home. You're having like your, you know, your your cocktail before bed. Well, then uh, in the kitchen, just um, you know, doing some things, uh, getting ready for the next day, and you just drop that casually. Well, I think the first thing she would assume is that I was kidding. So it, we would bandy it about for a couple minutes, where, and then it would come out at some point that I wasn't. 
that's when you know the the i guess animosity would would start like that that's when there would be some real hyper criticism of my plan Mm -hmm. she she'd be critical of the plan she wouldn't she wouldn't be all in at all no uh, she'd have a lot of questions but i mean she would she would be a hundred percent against this how would your wife feel well my wife who's who's not ludicrously uh ludicrously wealthy would say well what's uh what's it pay uh at which point i'd say olympics are amateur dear uh, this is for the love of nation. Right. I'm actually um, going to be paying quite a bit of money for the training and travel. Right. right. This is going to be a massive money loss for us as a family. Right. At which point she would, in no certain uncertain terms, tell me I was no longer a member of the United States Olympic bobsled team. Right. And I'd have to break the news to Jay, Jay O'Brien, to kind of sheepishly call him. Uh, tail between my legs and just be like, listen, uh, my wife's not going to let me do this. <laughs> hey, Jay. Hey, remember how excited I was earlier at dinner? It really seemed like you and I were just hitting it off. And, you know, it just seemed like it looked it looked like we were going to be able to make this bobsled dream a reality. Well, forget all that. I went through it with my wife and uh, she's not uh, she's not really on board as much as you and I were. We just can't make the numbers work. No, we can't make Whoa. the zero income and tens of thousands of uh dollars spent for uh nothing but uh, uh love of country makes sense so what if you had this conversation with your wife she told you what she thought which is a pretty predictable re- reaction and then you were like okay like you're right this is silly but then like the day before the olympics you snuck out of the house and caught the next steam liner to wherever the hell the olympics were and you just went and participated in the olympics anyway how would she feel about that and she like turned on the TV. Like and, there, and there you were, you and Jay O'Brien. <laughs> and she had been wondering where you were because you'd been gone for like maybe 48 hours. Yeah, yeah. No, I would have left a note and been okay. like, hey, had a, have a business trip out of town. Uh, be back in a few days. Right. And then, which first of all, would never fly just to begin with. But right. And then you sent a few fake telegrams like, boy, Cleveland, a really great city. Yeah, something. because I don't because I'm not going to communicate with her via computer or text. Uh, I'm going to go into the Western Union station and right. communicate via telegram. And right. and then she's going to cut on the TV. And there I'm going to be standing in a full Lycra suit right yeah. next to a bobsled. Completely skin tight. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Leaving Could nothing not, to the imagination. Not a thing. And she's, you know, and it's all red, white and blue. And and she's and I think at that point, maybe you know, she'd have a little bit of patriotic pride in what I was doing. And she would think so. You think so? No. I'd love to see a split screen of you in your helmet and your spandex suit next to it. And then a split screen of your wife uh, who had just turned on the TV, seeing you there for the first time. I'm picturing your wife's face right now. Mm -hmm. I'm imagining her seeing you having run away to the bobsled team when she thinks that you're on an unannounced business trip. I wonder where the next winter winter Olympics are. I think they're next year, aren't they? They're next year. Yeah. I wonder where. But you know, they probably wouldn't even let you on the winter on the Olympic bobsled team now. They probably have better bobsledders. Oh my God. Is it it's gonna be in Beijing? Didn't we just have the Olympics in Beijing like a couple years ago? Well, I guess China's like the only country that wants Olympics anymore. Yeah, I guess they can have them. Right. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Nobody else. I don't think. I don't. I don't think most places are really applying for them. Anymore there, no, there's really not. And it's just like a couple of countries. Um, is Beijing is Beijing the only country to ever host a summer and winter Olympics? Uh, I don't think so. I think like Norway or somebody did. Norway is not a city. Oh, I thought you said country. Well, no, I'm I'm talking about Beijing specifically. Yeah, I don't know. I have to look it up. Uh, the men in Egan sled were an eclectic bunch. And again, I'm getting a lot of this stuff from, there's a sports illustrated article in the nineties that I found in the, in the vault where I'm getting a lot of this info. The men in Egan sled were an eclectic bunch. The driver was 20 year old Billy Fiske described by Olympic historian, Bud Greenspan as a socialite daredevil. See, this is who, this is how Olympians used to be. Mm -hmm. They're just like these these eccentric rich guys that are like, Oh, I'm going to learn how to pole vault. (laughs) <laughs> right you know that's why like of course they could be amateur because everybody doing them was insanely wealthy they had married into the ludicrously wealthy colgate family or some the crest family or the aquafresh right. family right right yeah i mean that's you, you know a lot of people forget that bobby aquafresh won three <laughs> right. silvers, three silvers in 19, at the 1928 games heir to the aquafresh fortune in the 30s right uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where if you could get somehow get yourself into one of these toothpaste families, you were pretty much a sure shot for the next Olympic game. The 1920s and 30s Olympics were just dominated by toothpaste heirs. Yeah, right. And so that's what people dare- don't realize. Mm-hmm. And socialite daredevils. <laughs> well, that's, that's kind of redundant. Toothpaste heir, <laughs> socialite daredevils. Isn't it kind of one and the same? I think that like there's absolutely like for any rock and roll groups out there or hip hop or any form of like upbeat, exciting music. I I feel like socialite daredevil is an album name that's just there for the taking. Do you think it's better or worse than toothpaste air? (laughs) I think it's better. Really? Yeah. 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 I mean, now now maybe the, the group could be called the toothpaste airs. The Toothpaste Airs released their their debut album, Socialite Daredevil. Right. How about Kenny Crest and the Toothpaste Airs? Yeah, now I think we're getting somewhere. See, this is why you and I work so well. It's not a lot of people probably think that most people would have ended this conversation several minutes ago. (laughs) But not us. We peel back the layers like an onion. That's right. That's right. And next thing you know, you, the listener, are being blessed with uh, Kenny Kenny Crest and the Toothpaste Dares releasing an album called Socialite Daredevil. Uh, you know, there's a lot of podcast hosts that, yeah, you're right, that, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't get you there, but we just did. No, they'd pull out of that nosedive. They'd think we're, they were going to crash, and then they miss uh, out on all the, the bounty. Speaking of bounty, uh, Billy Fisk had won the gold four years earlier in the 1928 Olympics. When he was 16, he was like the youngest Olympic Olympic winner until like 1992. God, what a socialite daredevil. Mm-hmm. So there was a brake man uh, who was 49 years old. So the brake man was basically an old man. They had this kid in, up front in the driver's seat. And then they had between them, they had Clifford uh, Tippy Gray and our boy Eddie. Now, the thing about Tippy Gray is that this 1997 Sports Illustrated article um, said that he would write some like 3,000 songs through the years, but die uh, like 10 years later. Here's the thing. 
that was a different Clifford Tippy Gray. A lot of people thought they were one and the same until a guy wrote a book about it in 2013 and discovered there were two different Clifford Tippy Grays. It's like a case of identity theft or just two actual different guys? No, just two guys that were like born in different places at different times. And then when people looked back on them, they just assumed they were one guy. One, one bobsledding and one writing songs? Right. Yeah, two different wow. guys. So, like, so much so that, like, Clifford Gray, the other Clifford Gray, his daughter thought he had competed until in the Olympics until a few years ago. She thought her dad was an Olympic champion. Turns out he wasn't. What a uh, that's a tough pill to swallow. Mm. What yeah, a group, to... though. Like, it's hard to it's hard to imagine they couldn't have put a better group together than that. I know. Like, I feel like this has just got Disney written all over it. It's like, I know a guy. Yeah, he's he's pushing 50. He could be your break, man. Mm-hmm. So there were some like W.O. McGeehan of the New York Herald Tribune. I know one of your favorite writers who believed the hmm. sport was beneath a man like Egan. It is a shame, McGeehan wrote, that Mr. Egan, educated at Yale and Oxford and with a fine bringing up in every way, mm-hmm. should turn out to be only a bobsledder. Ouch. I know that stings. Bobsledding, not exactly the sport of kings. I don't. I wonder if there's like a if like the sports at the Olympics see themselves as like in different classes. Do you like bobsledding? No, no, it's pretty stupid. Yeah, it's really dumb. <laughs> it's uh, they, really yeah, dumb. They, it's one of those things that only exist because the Olymp because of tradition. Right, like, like who, nobody would, goes around bobsledding. Like when it Nobody snows, when it snows, you don't like take your kid out and with the bobsled and like cruise around. No, no, nobody, nobody's out there bobsledding. Do you remember the NFL wide receiver that first joined an Olympic bobsled team? Ooh, I thought Herschel Walker did. But he's a running back. Nope. Ronaldo Nehemiah. No, no, he played for the Bears. Willie Galt? Willie Galt, number 83. Willie Galt was on a bobsled team. I remember that, and I don't know why I remember it, but I do. Huh. Herschel Walker doing nice things these days. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. no, he's – it's a shame he didn't stick with bobsledding and uh, not dip his toe in the political realm. Or or any other realm. God. Right. Talk about somebody that I used to really like. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, not really yeah, there's anymore. A lot, there's a lot of them. <laughs> there are. I still got no problem with Willie Galt, though. Uh, no, no, I love I love Willie Galt through and through. So the uh, you know they they go out there and these guys barely know each other. They've barely trained together, but you know according to Egan, uh, his the, Billy Fisk, uh, we missed. Uh, picture a steel comet with four riders hurdling through the air. Egan later reflected, "We missed becoming that only because Billy Fisk was at the wheel." Really? Yeah. So young Billy Fisk basically kept them on course so they didn't go flying all over the place. So they just had a team of three guys that had no business being in a bobsled, and then Billy Fisk just keeping it all glued together. So uh, big day for Billy Fist, but unfortunately, worse days were coming. Unfortunately, uh, he died the very next day. Well, not the next day, but a few years later, oh. he, <laughs> he joined the uh, 
But so anyway, so they win the Olympic gold. They, there was problems with like the thing not being icy enough. So they had to wait until like the day after the closing ceremonies to do the bobsledding. So like everybody had gone home. Everyone's gone. Yeah. yeah. And there are just a few guys still sticking around bobsled. I mean, I guess that's better than not winning it at all. Yeah. I mean, you still get the, you still get the gold medal, but apparently he hated Nazis and what? so much. Yeah. I know. Right. Uh, so apparently not a Republican and he goes over to Britain and to fight in the Royal air force and is like, you know, one of these first guys that like goes up to fight off when the Germans start, you know, attacking. Um, so of and he was in the Battle of Britain, you know, the, the, the famous yeah. one that basically saved the world. So of Fisk, here's a great quote of Fisk role in the Battle of Britain. Bill Bond, for, founder of the Battle of Britain Historical Society, wrote, although Billy made several sorties, he didn't shoot anything down so that his impact on the battle in that respect was negligible. But he is most definitely still very much a hero in our book. So really just, like just kind of like uh, kind of unnecessary, right? Right. Yeah. I feel like he's kind of taken a dig at, at, at Billy. Uh, that's uh, didn't need to, he, he should have just um, said he's a hero in my book, you know, posthumous uh, kind of like throwing shade. Right. Right. Like if you died in a battle and people said, well, what do you think about that? And I'd say, well, I'm just, you know, I can't believe the guy came all the way from America to fight over here for Britain. Like what a hero. You know, he's well, technically, well, he wasn't uh, a very good shot. He missed pretty much (laughs) everyone he shot at. So his death was meaningless and he really didn't help. And he didn't help him out that much. So his death was kind of in, you know, it didn't amount to much, but you know, he, he was a good guy. He's only a hero in an absolutely figurative sense. So, yeah, so they win the gold and Eddie Egan becomes the only guy ever to, uh, win gold in both the summer and winter Olympics. And, you know, here, folks, you've learned a lot of you probably didn't even know who Eddie Egan was. And now, I mean, you, we might as well have just read a biography of him. I didn't know uh, with all, all the knowledge that Nat and I have been dropping on you. <laughs> if you. If you think this one was packed full of information, wait till the next one. So, folks, folks, if, they've got any, if there's any toothpaste airs out there listening to this. That want to be on the show. Look, Sure. A, come on the show. B, we'd love to have you as a sponsor. Uh, you know, I think if, you know, Colgate or Crest or Aquafresh, really anybody wanted to be the primary sponsor of the Worthless Knowledge podcast. Or just send us a case of toothpaste. <laughs> seriously, seriously, guys, if you're out there and you're listening to the Colgates <laughs> or the or the Aquafreshes, whatever, you guys just send us a <laughs> send us a case, a case of toothpaste, and you will be the official sponsor of the show. That's a promise. See, so yeah, we anyway. both we both on we both own fifty percent of this podcast. We both agree that's as mm-hmm. good as a, a written contract, right there. Ironclad. Also, if you want to if you want to sponsor an ultimate uh, frisbee team, we're yeah. listening. Yeah. Yeah, we got some we got some opportunities there too. All right, folks. Well, we will. Uh, we're excited to be back with you, and we'll see you next week with uh, some more exciting, uh, uh, trivial uh, knowledge. That's it. Uh, I'm Nat the Truth Jones. I'm Johnny Good Times. See y'all later. Take it light. Rickety Brown, give me the